Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. In the studio today, it is Gregor Robertson and James Restall. Hello, guys. Hello. How Hello. are we all? All very well? Very good. Very well. Very good. I survived watching the Manchester derby with a very nervous Manchester United fan. Did um, you? Yeah. Watched the first half at her flat and then left at half time. Oh. Left her hanging. And, oh. uh, and, uh, and Why did you do that? Oh, I had that places to go, people to oh, see. Busy, busy, um, busy, busy. But, um, but yeah, she was delighted. By the end. I'm sure she was, yes. A 2 0 win. We'll talk about that uh, in more detail in a little while. Um, Gregor, your favourite <laughs> championship player scored in the Premier League. <laughs> did you enjoy Olivier Giroud's goal, the fourth goal for Chelsea? Yeah, it was really bad marking, I thought, you know. <laughs> Never going to give him credit, <laughs> are early. you? No, he had, a, he had a good game, to be fair to him. Um, it helps when no one tries to tackle you or mark you, but, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad Tom's not here to rub it in. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he's got a big smile on his face. <laughs> uh, now, coming up, we're going to look into Mo Salah breaking yet another record at Liverpool, discuss Newcastle's bizarre season, and we'll see if Gregor and Carlos Tevez share the same pre-match ritual a little bit of a smooch on the sidelines. All that to come after this. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. To Old Trafford then, and Manchester United's third victory over Manchester City this season. Goals from Anthony Martial and Scott McTominay countering Edison's mistake was enough to leave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer boasting that the good times are on the way back at Old Trafford. Uh, Gregor, Solskjaer believes that United are just three players away now from being title contenders. Do you agree with that? No, not personally. <laughs> um, if they sign three players of the the same calibre as, as Fernandez, then they'll be a lot closer. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't want to be too down on Manchester United, but I, th- I think that, well, Solskjaer is at the wheel. Um, very unlikely to be contenders for the Premier League title. Um, really? I think the fact still remains, you know, they've had a 10-game unbeaten run, eight clean sheets. I think they scored 24 goals in that time. Um, but the teams, the, the teams that they they play well against, they play best against, are the teams that they let have the ball. Um, it's, still, it's always been the case with, with Solskjaer. Manchester City had, what did they have, 72% possession yesterday? I'm not sure how kind of how much longevity there can be in that as well for, for Manchester United fans. Mm. You know, in the circumstances they're in just now, as long as they get the win against against City and against, and it, to be fair to them, they beat Chelsea as well. But, um, as long as, you know, the circ- circumstances they're in just now, they're willing to accept that. But I think, Long term, Manchester United need to be taking the game to the in these big games, taking the the game to the to the opposition. 
So in your eyes, it's not just three players, it's, it's three players plus a new manager, possibly. I mean, I know that sounds harsh. He's had a good run. I mean, I ha- albeit it has included cup ties against Derby County, Tranmere, two games against Club Bruges. Um, and, but he's had a good run and, and there has been improvements and Fernandes has made a huge, huge difference. Uh, Fred's improved. Wambasaka was outstanding yesterday. There are some positives, but I I still think the bigger picture is in any other any other circumstance, he wouldn't be the manager. Mm. Uh, James, 37 points is the difference between United and Liverpool as things stand. So do you think it's a, a bit of a stretch that Solskjaer is uh, saying when he's just three more players and we'll be fine, we'll be title contenders? I think he's allowed to brag after winning the derby <laughs> um, in, in, in such a manner. At the, particularly in the first half, I thought United were magnificent and Fernandes really showed he showed in recent weeks what United have lacked, which is someone to make that clever pass, that clever trick, see that see that ball that releases players. Uh, it, you mentioned Fred and, and, and Wan-Bissaka. The reason they were, particularly in an attacking sense, able to get forward and able to make runs into the box and runs in behind was because Fernandez was unpicking the holes for them. Um, but I don't... I, I think you're absolutely right. 37 points, is, it, it's far too big a gulf to say that three players and it's all better. You know, they, they need... They need to find. They need to have a, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. You know, they played well at the start of Solskjaer's reign when he was the caretaker, playing largely counter-attacking football, letting teams have the ball and going for it. And um, and 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 when they came, when they were found out, they were found out, and they went on a terrible run. And I think, Fernand, while Fernandez has improved things, I wouldn't count United out uh, going on a, on a, on, a, on another bad run um, because I don't know if they have an alternate tactic to counter this. Well, in the game today, Henry Winter writes about Fernandez, who we're all uh, bigging up right now. He says, Fernandez is the missing link as United find old swagger. United's January signing has been a big impact at Old Trafford and won yet more admirers on the red side of the city when he lifted his finger to his mouth to shush. Shush, can you believe it? Pep Guardiola <laughs> on the sidelines yesterday. Uh, Henry's on the line waiting to speak to us right now. He was at Old Trafford uh, as well. Uh, Henry... Is it right that we're all purring about Fernandez? Hi, Natalie. Hi, James. Hi, Gregor. Um, it's not simply about Fernandez. I think he's he's been perceived as the catalyst, and he's come in, and you know he stood up to Guardiola, which the, which the fans love. Look, it was slightly disrespectful given what Pep's done in the game, but Manchester United needed a little bit of this, just a sort of sprinkle of Cantona back. I'm not comparing the two, but just in terms of they needed that little bit of belief. You can see how he's raised other people. I mean, I've been fairly positive about Solskjaer from the start. I, I, I like um, what he's, he was clearly trying to do from, from the start. And unlike other managers who, who came in there who decided to go short-term, get bigger-name players in, throw the budget around uh, and build for the, for the short-term, and definitely with, uh, with Mourinho and, and Van Gaal, get one or two trophies in, Solskjaer was, was never going to be like that. He, first, he hasn't got that ego. He hasn't got, the, obviously, the coaching background of those two. But he, he was there. Yeah, I talked to him off the record and obviously seen him in press conferences. And he was genuinely realising and knew and was up for this long-term development of Manchester United in a way that sometimes maybe only a player who genuinely loves the club, who isn't there for the ego... Um, wanted to do and look okay I'm probably perceived as biased because I've, I've worked a bit with Michael Carrick recently um, but but Carrick coaching his involvement there the, the, the coaching background that they've set up 
I think it's really good. And I actually think we should be promoting, not promoting, but backing this trend a little bit more of former players. Okay, we've seen it at Lampard and, and Gerrard to an extent at, at Rangers. I, I think it's a great thing, former players getting involved. Obviously, Gerrard wasn't at Rangers, but you know what I mean in terms of this generation um, just getting involved in these coaching jobs, understanding what it's all about. They're not motivated so much by money because they're all millionaires in their own right because they were that generation of players who served the wages. So I, I really like what he's doing. I like Manchester United's direction of travel. It's been clear, despite what people have been saying, it's been clear what Solskjaer has been trying to do from early on. You can see there's a continuity and a logic and identity with the players he is trying to bring in. Obviously, Garlo's slightly different short-term measure because, for me, the biggest mistake that Solskjaer has made was overplaying Rashford in, in December in particular. But leaving that aside, I think the, the, the players, they're born in well. You can see the culture returning. I mean, you're probably watching on the, 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 the telly yesterday, and I hope your televisions were absolutely sort of shaking because the atmosphere in the ground was probably the best I can remember for five or six years, barring you know, one or two special occasions. And it was, you know, it was, it was good to see again. So, look, Absolutely agree with the guys that there is. It's a work in progress. There's work needing to be done. Daniel James's decision making. You can't rely on on just living on 27 percent possession all the time. But I just think the direction of travel is good. And this is one of the biggest salvage jobs you can almost call it in English football. I know he's got the. There's a budget there. There's a financial machine behind uh, behind the manager. Um, but it's a huge job taking over from, you know, what three managers have, have tried post Ferguson. So, uh, look, I wish Solskjaer well. Maybe I'm a bit soft on him, but I like what he's trying to do. I can see what he's trying to do, and I'm not sure he was really bragging yesterday. But I think he probably privately felt, you know, he's a competitive individual. He played at the top level. That uh, it was actually probably quite nice to prove one or two people wrong. Look, on his back at the wheel, but. You know, the scrutiny on Manchester United is bigger than any other club. And if they lose a corner, if they lose a next game, I'm sure the scrutiny will be back on him. But I think the important thing is you can see with the togetherness of the players that you can see the depth of the squad uh, on the bench increasingly that they are going in the right direction. Well, as it stands, Manchester United are fifth. They're three points off fourth place, Chelsea, Henry. Um, how crucial do you think someone like Bruno Fernandes has been to that run? Because obviously they're unbeaten in the games that he's played in. It's really important because you can see with his passing, the players trust him with the ball. I think Marcus Rashford will be just saying, oh, I can't wait to get back from this because with his pace in behind. I think you're, you're, you're noticing that opposition teams occasionally get concerned about him and if they push up to get into him because they know how good there's going to be space behind and you look at the pace that Manchester United have got and Solskjaer is completely right to, to use this tactic he's got the pace of Wambataka, James, Martial uh, individuals like that Rashford when he's back fit um, Greenwood when he's, he's off the bench you know it, it's a pretty potent weapon to use and I think that Solskjaer also deserves credit, not for simply encouraging the purchase of someone like Fernandez, but in how Martial's improved. Obviously, that's, that's partly down to Fernandez coming in with his passing. We've seen that. But also, I think what Solskjaer is doing in training, what the other coaches are doing there, they're working on these players. The, the, the defence looks tighter. I still think they need another centre-half. 
they probably need another central midfielder and they probably need another centre forward. But you've got to admit that the, the direction of travel after the extraordinary post-Ferguson years is far more positive now. And Bruno Fernandes, the purchase of him, the age, the confidence of the individual is lifting other players as well. So, uh, yeah, he's a little bit special. But coming back to that shush thing, whether it was you find it disrespectful or not, that's kind of a Manchester United trait. That sort of collar up, that sort of almost two fingers to the opposition. There is that trait in Manchester United's DNA. And I think United fans were, were delighted to see that returning. Gregor, do you know what Henry was doing there when he responded to comments about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Go on. He was shushing you, basically. <laughs> he was doing a Bruno Fernandes at you. That's all I'm going to say. Do I get a reply then? No. <laughs> no, because Pep Guardiola didn't, so you don't either. Um, it has been a good week for Newcastle fans. They beat West Brom to set up an FA Cup quarterfinal with Manchester City and their goal drought is over after a hard-fought 1-0 win at 10-man Southampton in the Premier League on Saturday. Before the game, Newcastle's last league win was beating Chelsea on the 21st of January and they hadn't scored since the 2 all draw with Everton three days later. Now, despite this, they are now eight points clear of the bottom three and with a Cup quarterfinal to look forward to, James, should Steve Bruce be getting more credit? Well, he's he's four points better off at this stage than Rafa Benitez was. And mm-hmm. Rafa was rightly, I think, lauded in the northeast for the work he did getting them out of the championship and then sort of steadying them in the Premier League. Um, obviously, Bruce has had a bit more money to spend than, than Rafa did. But I, but I think, I, I wouldn't say lauded because the style of play is still pretty bad I mean they've 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 scored I think 25 goals this season which is the joint lowest in the league their expected goals total is also 25 which is the worst in the league um and the 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 worrying trend I don't think there's concern immediately because they're in a good position to stay up the problem is is when teams have performance trends like that they're kind of relying on that one brilliant chance or that one kind of moment that might win the match they're not piling on sustained pressure to score goals. And I think if they go on a... The, the danger is if they go on a long run, they start next season badly, there's not there's there's not a lot of, of, of hope in the performances that they'll be able to rescue themselves again. So I think, yes, he deserves credit for where they are now, but I think Newcastle fans are, are, are right if they're not happy with the product they're watching. Mm. So in that sense then, Gregor, is this cup run masking huge problems at the club I don't think anything can mask the problems at the club and I don't (laughs) think the fans can be fooled by that either they want to see a team who shows some willing in in cups which has been absent you know Ashley I think he said that they were kind of like an irrelevance almost you know they weren't no they weren't a priority that's what he said he's quoted as saying that Um, and you know that Newcastle fans want to see their club fighting for silverware Um, so I think Bruce is this will buy him some goodwill because he has shown that the teams he's selected, he's gone out and he's tried to try to progress. Um, but this, nothing can mask the issues under Mike Ashley as long as he's at the club. Mm. I mean, the, the, he's spoken about he's had more money to spend, but he didn't spend it. Yeah. Uh, Joe Ellington and, and Almiron were, were kind of foisted upon him. And Almiron has risen to the challenge a bit. He's, he's improved a lot. Joe Ellington looks pretty lost. Um so you know, I think I think he does deserve credit. I think he was kind of 
he was maligned when he first walked in just as someone who shouldn't really be in, in the Premier League and he's probably his record isn't fantastic in the Premier League uh, and he's always going to be compared to Rafa Benitez but in fact the style of play everything we're seeing as James said they're better off in points I think they've got the lowest possession in the league now 40% it was 42 under Rafa Benitez there's not much difference um, he's working with what he's got and he's making a good good job of it I think I think Newcastle kind of going back to the the, the, the attitude to the cups they're kind of missing not an easy win but they're missing a kind of I've never understood that strategy because it's 50 years without a trophy a major trophy for that yeah. club um, and it could be it would be such a big PR win if they just got to a cup final yeah mm. or even or even you know and even in cup finals anything can happen um, I, I do think with Manchester City sort of at a bit of a low ebb at the moment relatively for them domestically uh, I mean they looked they played a little bit yesterday I thought like a like a team kind of almost mourning for the title that they've lost and and, and I've, I know they I know in the League Cup they were quite they've been you know focused on on, on sort of dominating the domestic silverware that they can still win but you wouldn't count Newcastle out against against City and I think now really from the position they're in why don't they just go for the FA Cup and 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 Bruce, you know that isn't that the best way for Bruce to kind of have a have a have a have a almost a legacy at Newcastle. Well, when you've had a target on your back ever since you started, yeah. it would certainly win the fans over, wouldn't it? Silverware. Oh God, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think even actually, just you know, get as you say, get to the final, even get to the semi final. They've not they've not been at this stage under under Mike Ashley's tenure. I think which is like what thirteen years mm. something like that. Mm. So um, yeah, I mean that'd be huge, and I th- I'm sure the atmosphere will be incredible there. Uh, when they face Man, Man City, um, and they do look like, you know, he's not he's not useless, Bruce. He's, he organises the team well. Um, he's not got much firepower. He's not made any any qualms about that. He's he knows what he has and hasn't got, but he sets up the team well. And I think they'll definitely survive in the Premier League this year. Is one of the criticisms thrown at Newcastle is that perhaps they would have been the only Premier League side that would have appointed Steve Bruce? Um. I, I think that's true. I think if we're being totally honest about it, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he came from Sheffield Wednesday, where that was his and Aston Villa before that. That was the kind of level he was he was now managing at. Um, he's but he's had and he's had promotions to the Premier League. That's often been the way he's got there in the first place. Um, and you know, we've I think we've spoken on several occasions about the fact that fans now want something to buy into, like an identity and a and a overriding vision where the direction of travel for the club and you don't really see that with Steve Bruce which is which is just the reality of it mm. heart back to someone like Graham Potter getting the, the Brighton job and the fans there being happier with him even though they're staring down a potential relegation do you think Graham Potter do you think Graham Potter would have been able to do the job at Newcastle I don't know that's the question isn't that's it the... you know whether he had, a, he had a remarkable impact I questioned whether whether he would be able to with the squad that Brighton have to transform their style of play and whatnot, and they have. I was looking at possession stats today, and they they have more of the ball in Manchester United mm. on average, but they still might go down. So you know, this, it's balancing these things up. And if Steve Bruce keeps them in the league, and he's had a, a bit of a cup run this year, then he's done a good job. It's very much you know. It, 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 we can say yeah, Newcastle probably were the would be the only club that would hire Steve Bruce, but that's not Steve Bruce's fault. No. And and he's a you know he 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 loves the city, he loves the club, and it'd be very easy. In this day and age, for a manager to last three months, get the sack, take the compensation, move on, he's he's made a real fist of getting them to this position. And yeah, yes, 
stylistically they're not great but what but sort of almost where are where are Newcastle supposed to be you know with the, with 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 all the problems that lie deeper than just the manager and the players they're not going to be a Sheffield United with a dynamic manager and a, and, a, and, a, and a brilliant identity. They're not going to be a Wolves. So what are they? That's the question, I think, really. And then, you know, as you say, Steve Bruce is not going to... He's not going to have a team play like that. He's never has, really. Uh, been fairly prag- pragmatic and mm. and the grind out results. So... Um, I think I think that, I think that it was just the way that he was appointed to Mike Ashley. It was almost like... Almost two fingers to the supporters a bit. He, he knew that they would, they wouldn't be happy with his appointment, uh, but he, he went ahead and did it anyway. So, I think while Mike, Mike Ashley's at the club, then nothing can mask the underlying issues there. Well, keeping on the theme of Newcastle, Steve Bruce has been speaking about Alan Saint Maximum, and he says his ability is scary. After he put in a match-winning performance at Southampton, he scored the only goal of the game in the closing stages, pressuring Jan Valerie into a mistake before tucking home beyond Alex McCarthy. Now, Everton are reportedly targeting a summer swoop for him, as Carlo Ancelotti had the 22-year-old Frenchman watched in midweek during the cup win over West Brom. How good is he? Should Everton be looking at someone like him? If he can keep turning out performances like this, then then yeah. I mean, that's the question mark. He's also missed a, quite a few games, I think nine games through injury. He's one of these players, he's so explosive that you kind of worry that he's going to pull his hamstring every every couple of weeks. Um, so that's, that is a worry, but he's electric. He's almost unplayable at mm. times. The way he kind of... He has a kind of... It's almost unique way. He looks like he's going inside and then he chops down the line and it'd be a nightmare to play against and he's so quick and powerful. He kind of wrestles, wriggles in, in behind the defender. He's end product as well. He's, he's, I think he's only got two goals and, and one assist. So sometimes... You know that final pass, that final final ball is is missing, but we've seen that before with players, and he's young and and he can improve that, and he's he's got all the attributes to be a, certainly be a, a top player. It's just consistency. I was looking looking ahead to the to the Man City Cup tie. I think that could be a real stage for him because I just think back to the uh, the game City lost to Wolves earlier in the season, where Adama Traore got them twice on the break, and and his pace was just completely unplayable. Um, if I mean, Adama Traore has really improved his end product, um, both in terms of chance creation and, and and goal scoring this season. But if you know, if if, if it's nil nil and Newcastle get that one chance and sent Maximans through, you know, he could he could knock them out. Yeah, I mean, there has been a number of occasions where he's been sent through and kind mm. of hit the goalkeeper right away. Mm. He's not, he doesn't have that kind of killer instinct. It seems still at the end, but athletically and how explosive he is, he's, he'd be a nightmare to obviously what it would be like to play against and it'd just be an absolute nightmare. Like Traore, so fast. Well, Everton, of course, not the only side reportedly interested. Crystal Palace uh, are also perhaps looking at bringing in St Maximum as a replacement for Wilfred Zaha, who it seems as though may well be leaving Crystal Palace come the end of the season. Just one line again on, on St Maximum. In some ways, is he too good for Newcastle? No, I don't think you can no. say that yet. He's Too raw still. Absolutely, and he needs to do it consistently. Um, I wouldn't see Crystal Palace as a, particularly as a step up either. Uh, Everton have got a lot of money, a lot of backing. I'm sure that you know. I'm sure he, it doesn't take a lot these days for you to be to be a hot property in the Premier League. And if he continues this vein of form to the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised to see some interest because he is, he is really kind of eye opening when he's in full flow. Um, but no, he's not too good for Newcastle. 
def- definitely wouldn't want to say that mm-hmm. to any Newcastle listeners. <laughs> definitely not. It's just me being devil's advocate. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now the question I'm going to ask both of you, James and Gregor, is, is Mo Salah Liverpool's greatest ever frontman. This weekend, the cop's Egyptian king reached yet another landmark as he marked his 100th top flight appearance with his 70th league goal for the club in Saturday's 2-1 win over Bournemouth. In their first century of Premier League appearances, only Alan Shearer has scored more with 79 and Salah has more goals in his first 100 league appearances for the club than Fowler, Owen, Torres and Suarez. So, does that mean that Salah is Liverpool's greatest frontman of the modern era, James? Uh, I think he is. Um, and I think he can cement that if he goes on and has three or four more seasons being this prolific. You look at people like Fowler and Owen who had blistering starts but then hampered by injury. Um, the key, the key, I think, whenever we're debating the greatest, whenever we talk about Messi and Ronaldo, whenever we talk about people being the absolute best it's longevity is such a big part of it because it's being able to perform this consistent consistently um Salah hasn't hit the numbers of his first season um but what I think makes him what and what I think makes him so brilliant is his role in this in this front three which Mm. is just it, it they just they just click all together it's it's you know you'd struggle to name better front threes than this current one in 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 Premier League history, I would argue. Well, I was about to say BMW in, in the Championship, <laughs> doing all that. but show, anyway, well, that's not in the Premier League, of course. Um, but it is interesting you mentioned the front three, and and we can't forget that Mo Salah, Gregor, isn't an out and out striker. Absolutely, he's not, yeah. not playing in the middle, and he's getting bags of goals. Absolutely, from out wide. Yeah, I think that is the key thing with 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 Salah is that you know it's almost a Klopp has built a system and it. It absolutely revolves around that front three and the way that Firmino kind of creates space for for Salah and and uh, Sadio Mane to dart in, behind, in between fullbacks and centre halves and um, you know it is, it is remarkable. It's, it's not really an out and out striker at all, so it's hard to compare. But personally, I would say I would say Suarez when you really need, when you really needed someone to count on or to conjure something from nothing, I think Suarez perhaps is still slightly above him. Um, okay, I mean, you look at their goals and and sort of goal involvements. Uh, they're both remarkable. I think Salah's got ninety one goals in one hundred and forty three games for Liverpool in all competitions, and thirty seven assists. So that's one hundred twenty eight sort of goal mm-hmm. involvements in one hundred forty three. And I was amazed by Suarez. Suarez has got eighty two and forty seven assists, so that's one hundred twenty nine goal involvements in 133 games so almost every oh, game wow. he either scored or created a goal mm. um, I know he was there for you're right the longevity thing issues and it'll be interesting to see if Liverpool win the Premier League see where they go in the Champions League Salah be thinking you know perhaps I still have one one big move to, 
left in me. He might not. He might think, you know, I'm at the club that are kind of the pinnacle of European football just now under one of the best managers around in Europe. But if he if he stays around and he does this on a consistent basis, and I also th- I agree, I think he's that because he scored, I think he scored forty four goals in his first season. That he's almost been judged on that level, which was was impossible to mm-hmm. to kind of keep up and match. The the other thing I suppose as well is it's it's what what the goals mean and. The one thing with Suarez is there wasn't there wasn't the kind of the the silverware that was the end no. product of the goals, and that's not to take anything away from how he was as a player. I mean, absolutely phenomenal to watch. That's the season with Daniel Sturridge, where they both they both hit. I think Sturridge got twenty plus, and 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 then Suarez got thirty plus in the league in that one season. But they ultimately didn't deliver the title. And I think what will make Salah's achievements even greater is the fact that it's already delivered a Champions League. It looks like it's going to deliver another Premier uh, a Premier League and possibly even another Champions League. So it, th- that for me, I think adds adds weight to the goals. Can't argue with that, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, I mean, you mentioned Luis Suarez, and we're going on the first one hundred Premier League appearances. It's- he scored 62 goals in his first 100, so Mo Salah scoring eight more in his century of Premier League appearances. But if we look in general then at your top three Liverpool frontmen of the Premier League, could you possibly rank them? <laughs> would you still... I mean, Suarez, Gregor, for you would be top. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm always going by the fact that I think Suarez, if you if you played him in a two or three or up front on his own, he would still conjure something and, and win a game by, his, by himself almost. Um Salah would be second, and I think, I think Michael Owen and his pomp, and a young young Michael Owen, would be number three there. And I know <laughs> I'm getting some funny looks here, but <laughs> I you're think, entitled to your opinion. Yeah, Gordon. Luke Robbie Fowler was, Robbie Fowler was 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 an outstanding striker as well. But I think Michael Owen and the and how sharp and. He was remarkable when he broke first broke into Liverpool. I was going to say he couldn't burst onto the scene. Absolutely, didn't he? yeah. Mm. Uh, and again, the, the the longevity issue is the only thing that that counts against him. And and obviously his career kind of kind of went on the way. And after that, but I think Michael Owen at his best, eighteen, nineteen years old, was was a unbelievable proposition for anyone. Mm. Okay, so you're going for Suarez, Salah, and Owen. James, what's your three? I think I'd, I'd have to go Salah top, um, and I think I'd put Suarez second. I think I probably go with I think I probably would go with Fowler for number three um of this list because I mean I wasn't I wasn't fortunate enough to to be I think I was I was about three or four when when um when uh, Fowler broke through. Oh you've seen plenty but, of him then. But I've but but having watched those watching those those highlights of those seasons, it, his finishing ability is frightening. Yeah. And it's it's sort of to have a play I know sort of it, those early years he was at his most prolific if I could have the Robbie Fowler of sort of the early 90s I'd just just phenomenal forward his movement his finishing his pace it's just remarkable I think it's just fair to say that Liverpool being blessed haven't they with front men they've <laughs> had some pretty cracking strikers mm. and forwards in their time that is for sure Now, here's a story you don't see every day. Carlos Tevez smooches Diego Maradona for good luck. Now, Carlos Tevez has revealed he kissed Diego Maradona for luck before leading Boca Juniors to the Argentinian Primera Division title on Saturday. 
Tevez scored a 72nd minute winner to lift Boca to a 1-0 victory over Maradona's gymnasium, which landed them the title after rivals River Plate's one-all draw at Atletico Tucumán. Tevez kissed Maradona on the mouth before the encounter and explained it was his pre-match ritual to bring good luck on the day. This is what he said. He said, I knew I had to kiss Diego. I was lucky that way. Sometimes you have to look for luck. It's a little bit unusual. Um, whether we're watching a game or, or playing in it, bizarre pre-match routines. Come on, we must all have some. I'll come to you first, James. I'm sure Greg's sure got, Greg got much better. Come um, on, you must have something. Mine, mine is a bit bizarre. Never had a playing career of any note, so it's nothing to do with playing the game. Um, but uh, and it kind of delves, sort of goes into the realms of supporter superstitions here. But um, so at Leighton Orient, whenever they win a game, they play over the PA, uh, rocking all over the world by status quo. You uh, you won't you won't you won't have heard that Gregor too many times when you've played there. Um, <laughs> you won't have heard it. Um, but um, so I had when I was at school, I had this ridiculous superstition that from the final whistle on the Saturday, I couldn't listen to that song all through the week until the following Saturday. Oh. And if it like came on somewhere, I'd be like, oh, we're losing. That that's anyway. So I so so I had this I had this ridiculous superstition, and I've, I've managed to shrug it off now. Although mm-hmm. sometimes it still does creep back. The end of the last series of the Great British Bake Off. Oh, well, right. Where are we going <laughs> with this? Status, yeah. status quo <laughs> pop up as the special guests at oh, the end no. of the last series of the Great British Bake Off. They play the rocking all over the world. <laughs> oh no! Following Saturday, we lose one nil to Morecambe. <laughs> I'm just saying. Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. my yeah. goodness! Yeah. Right, and you just and still you don't listen to it. Um, I'm I'm much better now. I think yeah. I've got over it. You don't, but take sometimes it, it just yeah. it rears its ugly head. You're not head. there like diving for the radio. Turn it off. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. I think I used to have a thing where I used to have a little Brentford badge, a little like one of those pin badges, you know. And I used to wear it sort of even when I was working in my previous job on TV. I used to sneaky sneakily wear it. Um, for some, I th- I, and we used to always go on a good sort of run when I, ha- when I felt like I was wearing it. And if I forgot to wear it, I'd blame the fact if we lost yep. that I wasn't wearing the badge. To be fair, it was it's the old crest, so I can't wear it anymore. We're doing all, we're doing all right without it. So maybe I don't need to be so su- superstitious. Um, Greg, oh, come on. Let's hear about it in the murky world of football. There's so many of these. <laughs> so many. And kind of, yeah, there are superstitions. I, I, I actually was at a game at the weekend and I saw a player with a wash bag with his... There's a company now who does wash bags with like images of their kids or yes, family on them, yes. so that they pause before the game and have a look at that. Uh, I was at Fleetwood, in fact, and I was having a look at Joey Barton's autobiography, and he he had a sort of series of little cards with concise little messages to sort of there were like instructions that they would give himself through the game. Oh. Um, but I remember we had a for us we had a motivational speaker come in, a guy called Jack Black, and. He, um, Obviously not the actor. <laughs> no, not him. No, no, that'd have been good. <laughs> but um, so he said that you should wear a, a cotton t-shirt underneath your or a cotton vest underneath your strip because it's natural materials and stuff. And he also said, <laughs> "You're going to laugh at me here," but he's also said you should you should find a little quiet corner before a game and write imaginary the words "win" the word oh. "win" on it series of times and so there's a, this is in the youth team at Forest and all of, so all of us turned up the next next game we're like 
Oh, you you got the best of you. <laughs> a series of like little trips to the toilet. I know. I was going to say the problem is when you're in dressing room, there's only so many corners. You'd all yeah, be cramming yeah. in. <laughs> Sorry, if I could just. Yeah. Okay. Did well, you the, did you do that? Though, the imaginary yeah, I tried win? it. I tried it. Did it work? Uh, well, not really. No, I didn't oh. win that many games. <laughs> oh. But there's loads, honestly. People have lucky socks. Lucky pants. I know I saw guys with pants that really should not have still been be being worn. Oh, you know, yeah. like um, honestly, so many things you could have a whole podcast on this. On this, the people are very superstitious. Well, we're, happen, we happen to be on one, <laughs> so you could tell us a little bit more. Anything else? Um, What's the most bizarre that you must have thought? How is that going to help? I know I could have do one that's a bit more sentimental. This is this is me again. I had. Uh, so my my granddad used to, I used to always play football with my granddad when I was a kid, and he never saw me play professionally. And so my granny gave me a kind of his the wedding ring. Oh. So I kept that in my wash bag, and then before, the wash bag is this, is like the only piece of luggage that that footballers have. The only piece of anything. Yeah. Your boots are taken care of. Your kit, everything. So everything goes in this wash bag. That's why you see pictures printed, and you have the little messages. So I had the the ring in there, and I was just touch it before the game and I'm like so so many times it's just a moment to focus on what you're what you're doing or just or good luck you know mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so I, some, I did that that's so a nice one i was pretty bad with superstitions really really yeah did you ever find Meals yourself forgetting to do something and then blaming it on the fact that you didn't do something well, yeah if you forgot your lucky socks you were having a nightmare before you before you even played meals before a game as well if you if you won you'd want to have the same meal exactly yes. the same Yes. Before the next game, until you lost, and then you could break free and try something else. <laughs> <laughs> I could well. The thing is, though, you could get yourself into a right muddle, couldn't you? Well, I remember. I remember. A, I remember there was a. Again, this one was when I was a kid, and there was a. There was a, the, the captain had done a, a, a. Dean Smith, funnily enough, had, had done a had done his program notes, and they lost like six one up at Carlisle the previous weekend, and the, the program notes were: we've decided to abandon the pre-match huddle. Oh. They always used to get just before the kickoff. Used to go in and do the do the huddle on the pitch, and they said that we don't feel it's bringing us any luck. <laughs> so so we've abandoned the pre-match huddle. Oh, and um, yeah, there's no you know that's why why we finished 18th in League Two. That's <laughs> it's all because of that silly <laughs> huddle. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, well, you do you hear about managers wearing the same suit or same tie or whatever it is, but I don't understand why it happens. Even if you play in this, uh, you you're in a team and you played there for a long time, so you're playing in a a back four with a goalkeeper for a number of years. I'd never start the game without going over and having having like a high five with them, with every single one of the back four. Mm. We all felt the same as well. It was like we all had to sort of have to do we're it. in this together to try and not concede a goal. Mm. Did you so bring if you didn't do you, it before. Did you like bring that with you when you went to different clubs or was it kind of a Yeah, I think I probably yeah. did, yeah. Maybe not everyone was in isn't it? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well I should just tell you some other pre match rituals that uh, footballers have Cristiano Ronaldo supposedly has to have a haircut before every game. Uh, Laurent Blanc, well, he used to kiss Fabian Barthez's head before every game of France '98. Gary Lineker would never shoot at goal during the warm up in case he wasted his goals. I can see the thinking behind that. Uh, and what about this one? Malvin Kamara, the former MK Dons, Cardiff City, Port Vale, Huddersfield, and Grimsby player, he watched the 1971 film, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And he said this I have to watch it before every game. It gets me in the right mood. It's been my favourite film since I was little. It calms my nerves and gives me luck. Songs. Songs are another one, yeah. 
I remember yes. a team where we had uh, we shared the kind of iPod pod before we were doing having pre-match meal and somebody's iPod and you all had to pick a song and then we played it in the dressing room before the game and we were 3-0 up at half time and we're like right we're doing this every week yeah. <laughs> didn't last oh, that's the problem you, you feel like you've got something you, you're on to a winner yeah. and then you lose and you think oh right it wasn't really anything to do with that after all right anyway that is it for now many thanks to our guests today James Restall and Henry Winter of course who joined us earlier remember you can subscribe to the Times and the Sunday Times to enjoy award winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet it is just a pound a week for an eight week trial search the Times subscription for more information and we'll be back on Thursday game is brought to you by the times for more information and more podcasts from the times head to thetimes.co.uk